out. So I gotta kind of lean in a little bit. And, and those are good. Some days you can just sit back and it feels like the spirit just comes to you. And so I don't know if you guys are kind of feeling that or not, if it's just me, but um, amen. T- yeah, see, Matt's like, he's working. He's trying to help you guys. He's the, he's the hype guy. I love it. Yeah, amen. It's so good to be here with you guys. I love you guys so much. So we read from Proverbs this morning. Part of the reason we ran for, for, read from Proverbs is James is often referred to as the Proverbs of the New Testament. And Proverbs 3 arguably has an influence. If you look at it, you can say, I can really see where James was writing if he didn't know this in the Spirit, or at least he had Proverbs 3 in his mind. And so we see in Proverbs 3 and throughout the book of James that James is deeply concerned with wisdom. And he's so concerned with wisdom that he actually tells us in the first chapter, in the fifth verse, if you guys remember, he says, don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. And so the reason he says that, and we're going to see today in today's text, that there are two wisdoms. You really simplify it down to two wisdoms that are in this world. We have a, a wisdom of this world and a wisdom of heaven. So two wisdoms. But those wisdoms are so similar and so close that it's hard to distinguish between the two of them because what James unpacks for us is that it actually comes down to, most times, a heart issue. And so when someone gives us wisdom, how do we know what's in their heart? Someone could give me directions and they have my best interest at heart or my, they have worst intentions. And so James says there's two wisdoms. And when we think of it, what we tend to think of oversimplistically is that there's a good and a bad or an up and a down or that it's black and white. And so we can look at it and distinguish between the two. And so as I was thinking, what is a good analogy to illustrate biblically what James is seeing when he unpacks wisdom? I came up with I didn't come up with it. They're not mine. I didn't draw them. But I don't know if you guys have ever seen the comparison pictures or not. Go ahead and throw the first one up if you would. I want to show you. So think of it like this. This is wisdom. Like this is America's favorite family, right? Guys, no. Okay. No one else grew up in the 90s. I'm the only one. These pictures look similar, right? Yeah. You know, like, uh, I'm not, is that a trick? No, they look similar, right? It's not a trick question, but they're different, right? How many of you guys see the difference? A few of you, right? Go ahead and throw, show up the differences. Necklaces. Yeah, the necklaces, right? A few of you are observing. I didn't even get it all. <laughs> don't, don't be deceived, right? So think of it like, so we have wisdom from above, and so at first glance, it looks the same. Go and throw up the next picture. This one is really hard. If you get this one, I will buy you lunch. So James is saying, don't be deceived. He's illustrating two wisdoms for us that are very, very difficult to tell the difference. And fortunately, by God's grace, we have the Spirit. Anybody see the difference? It's, it's yeah, that might have been because I cropped it wrong. That, <laughs> that's not, they, I should have made these perfect. You guys are you're like, you're so much more like, go and show the, the one difference in there. So that's the one difference. I know. Yeah, you guys are like on it. Like, I'm like, man, I should have cropped it better. So that's the one. I have, I have one more. 
This one goes back to when I was in childhood. My favorite, my favorite video game, the first game I ever won, uh, it's a Mario one. You want to throw it up? This one's easier. See if you guys can get the, if you see the differences in here. The eyes, yeah. This, this one was a little bit easier. Yeah. All right, go ahead, go ahead and show the differences. So the pictures, they, they look the same at first glance, right? But there's differences in it. And, and so my hope for us today is we see there's two wisdoms. At first glance, they look almost identical. But when you actually look at it for us, fortunately, through the lens of the Holy Spirit, we go, that's different. That, that's not from above. That's actually from this world. Okay? Are we tracking so far? Are you guys following with me? Hopefully that was a good analogy, but I want us to see the similarities, but also be able to notice and spot the differences. You guys did great. You, you actually noticed more differences than I did, even when I didn't get circled, so I need to go back and re-examine my existence as a human being, apparently. <laughs> it's not that deep. I'm totally kidding. All right, let's jump into the book of James. I want to read verse 13. James says this. He says, who is wise... And understanding among you, by his good conduct, let him show his works with meekness and wisdom. And so what James does for us right off the bat is he demonstrates to us that wisdom has a visible component to it. And that visible component is a demonstration or a works of meekness. Now, when we see that, we tend to think of weakness, but that's not what the author is intending here. Meekness is more of humility, if you will. Because what's happening in this day and time, even like today, there are people who want to stand up and have a voice such that they're being noticed. They want to have an audience that is drawn to them. They want to have wisdom that they speak and people look at and go, man, I'm going to follow that person. And so James is saying true wisdom is actually that that is given with humility. That that is almost could be overlooked in some sense, but it's a visible component. You guys tracking with me? It's not something that's hidden. So our wisdom isn't something that we just receive for ourselves, but it's actually something that we derive and then those around us benefit. And so he's saying when we receive wisdom and we give wisdom, we give it in a humble or a meek fashion. This is important. Because he's beginning to illustrate for us the difference. Because here's what I could say. I could look at you and I could say, you're a sinner. You are a sinner, right? You guys even feel that? I'm, I'm not a terrible actor. Like if Stephanie were up here, she could give me one of those looks and you guys would understand right away. <laughs> you're, you know, or I could be like, you, you've sinned. And I, I, do, hopefully, if I did it right, you guys kind of felt a difference between the two, right? Yes, No. Okay, both convey the same thing, right? Both are truthful statements, but the heart level is completely different. The one is, you're a sinner and you're disgusting, and I want to elevate myself above you by putting you down. And the other one is, to call you and point you to Jesus because I love you and I care about you. Both truthful statements, one delivered out of meekness and probably don't even like saying it because I love you so much. And the other one is I've been waiting all day to tell you 
how sinful you are. I've been storing it up, and I've just been excited about telling you how sinful you are. And James says it's with meekness. And so he's beginning to draw a distinction for us that wisdom has a visible component that's meek. Let's keep reading here in verse 14. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. So now he's drawing a, a deeper distinction. He's beginning to say there is a wisdom from above and a wisdom of this world, and the wisdom of this world is selfish and ambitious. The wisdom of this world will use that against you to run over you. The wisdom of this world does not have your best interests at heart, but the wisdom from God does. As I was praying over this, as I was thinking about this, I felt like it was just, it was one of those sermons that just kept, kept kind of writing itself. And, and you start with one sense and then you end up, I don't want to say with a completely different because we're anchored in the text, but I, I almost didn't want to preach what I felt like Jesus was saying to preach. Because last Thursday, really gracious, I love you guys so, so much. You guys gave my wife and myself space to get away. Matt and Tim ran hard last week, and so we're in Florida. Uh, just a beautiful time. We're in Clearwater. The one night where the waves are crashing up in the ocean, literally 10 feet away. We're eating dinner. The sun is setting. Dolphins are going. I'm like, oh my gosh. I look over at Stephanie and totally ruined the moment. I was like, I'm a great husband, aren't I? You know? I mean, that's, right? I'm like, you know, that's what you do in that moment, right? Like, you gotta, I mean, that, that's what I do at least, right? I made the dolphins jump. Yeah. Like, not just one, but like five, you know? So I mean, it's like, yeah, yeah, and so that's what you do. Yeah, no, you make sure you get the points, right? I mean, we're spending good money to be here. I'm getting the points for this. So the next morning, getting ready in the hotel room, and we don't watch TV that much. Um, well, I should say we 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 don't have regular TV, and so we don't watch news that much. And Stephanie turns on the television just maybe for white noise or whatever, and it's Fox News that's playing, whether you like them or dislike them, whatever. And after about 20 minutes of listening to it, I told Stephanie, it's killing me. Like, it's like creating an anxiety within me. Like I can literally feel like just something happened. So I went and turned it off. And I said, if this is what people are consuming, we're killing ourselves. I mean, we're literally digesting this. And, and it's doing something within us. Think of it like if I were to eat two strips of bacon, go about my day, right? Mm. Eat a pound or two pounds of bacon. It's a little questionable at that point, right? Go ahead and down it with the grease. You're probably sick for the day. Keep going. Throw some Oreos in there, maybe a milkshake on top of it. You're probably not feeling too great at that moment, right? You've set yourself up for a bad day. But yet, we consume the type of information that is as destructive, if not more destructive for us, than what we physically eat. And so James is saying there's two types of wisdoms. That which is selfish and ambitious and boisterous and not of this world. Look, I want to keep reading here. See what he, as he defines this a little bit more in verse 16, he says... For where jealousy and selfish ambition exists, there will be disorder 
and every vile practice. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist. Now, I, I don't care what your, your media intake is, whether it's CNN, NBC, Fox News, or what it is, but as we look at this, we can see, you know what? There is a selfishness. There is an ambition. And we see the product of that. The disorder. When we look at our culture today, it's like, man, there's so many extremes. We're so polarized. We have the Antifa over here, and I don't know what the opposite of that is. Someone said the alt-right or proud boys or whatever it is. We have these extremes, and even people in the middle who are just kind of looking back both ways, we're all consuming this information that's dividing us. Even us as Christians are consuming information that's not of this world. Look what James says in verse 16. Or excuse me, I, I missed 15. I'm going I'm to go back and read 15. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. Church, let that land on your heart. If we see selfish and ambitious wisdom being presented to us, and the fruits of that is division. It's demonic. So we could be consuming demonic wisdom, unspiritual. It's almost animal-like. And as I wrestled with that in my experience, and I'll be honest with you, this isn't me saying, man, I've got it all together. I have been carried away with wisdom of this world and allowed it to work in my heart in such a way that I wasn't merciful towards people. Or even worse, I would watch the news and I would say, man, I don't get how people are so deceived and this is how terrible I am. I don't get how people are so stupid. If only they were as smart as me, they would have it figured out. Like, it's clear. Like, none of you guys are there. You're all sweet people, understanding, right? You watch the news and you're like, but for me, like, I allowed myself to be drifted away. And I was reminded, like, man, if, if this is what the church is consuming, Satan is going to win. Because we can't consume information that's not from Jesus or wisdom that's not from him and expect to have a heart like Jesus and for Jesus. If we start our day off with that type of worldly wisdom, it's going to impact the totality of the day. We're going to be argumentative with our spouse, with our neighbors. We're not going to love our neighbors. We're not going to care in the way that we should. We simply can't because we're agitated. There's disorder that has been sown in our heart. And that's why James refers to the gospel as the implanted word. And so I want you to see how James defines wisdom from above. Look at this church, verse 17. But the wisdom from above is first pure then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. It's not up on the screen, but I want to read what James does here. He actually parallels the Beatitudes. If you go back in Matthew chapter 5 and read that, parallels the Beatitudes, but he also parallels, parallels the fruits of the Spirit. It says this. I just want you to listen to this. And as I read it, I want you to scrub the wisdom you receive with these characteristics. Okay, so we're, we're putting this, the, the pictures back on the screen. This is the wisdom you've been getting, and this is the description. Are you tracking with me? 
All right? But the fruit of the Spirit is love, is the wisdom you've been getting loving. It's joy. Is it joyous? Is it patient? Is it kindness? This is the fruits of the Spirit. Is goodness? Is the wisdom you've been getting good? Is it faithfulness? Is it gentleness? Is it, does it have self-control? And against such things, there is no law. Now, put back on, if you could, Thomas, 17. I want you to see the characteristics numbered out. I took verse 17, and I went 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, I believe 8, or 6. There we go. And he, I want you to scrub the wisdom that you get. Is it pure? Is the wisdom we're seeing and we're watching, is it peaceable? Is it gentle? Now, look at this one, church. Is it open to reason? How much commentary do we read that is so decisive, that is so certain, that is so set in stone that there is absolutely no room for conversation? We as Christians, of all people, recognize by our beliefs we are malleable people. We are like clay being fit by the Holy Spirit. We believe we have sinned, and therefore, there's a possibility that we could be wrong very small one for some of us. (laughs) But because of that possibility, we should surely listen to a voice of meekness that presents wisdom to us. Because it's possible we we could be wrong. And is the wisdom we're receiving full of mercy? Is the wisdom we're proclaiming full of mercy? And I love this. Is the wisdom we're receiving full of of good fruits, or is it creating division? Is the wisdom we're espousing causing good fruits? It's fairly convicting when you put your media consumption up with that definition because you begin to realize that really limits what and where I can watch, what I consume, how much I can consume it, and understand I'm not saying that you should be out of touch. But if you know every political analogy, everything that's happened, every single news nugget, what I'm trying to say to you is there's probably anxiety and grief and pain in your heart that Jesus wants to work on. But I love what he says here. Now, church, he tells us in 14 and 16 what worldly wisdom is. And then in 17, this is what wisdom from above is. And if we live in that meekness, he gives us the promise Look at this, church. This is beautiful in verse 18. He says, there's a harvest of righteousness. Isn't that beautiful? A harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Now, what James just does is he illustrates for you and me the very cause of division in our society. He says, this is why people want to have a voice that's heard. This is why people fight for gun rights. This is why people fight for for gun control. This is why people fight for political ideology. This is why people fight against it. This is why people fight is because everybody wants to feel righteous. We believe that when man sinned in the garden, we went from perfection to being clothed in shame. So that means very practically those of us who experience the impact of sin experience shame. And who wants to be clothed in shame? Who wants to be exposed to the world and feel shame, right? We want to feel righteous. 
That's what we were created for. And that's why Jesus in his grace closes us in righteousness. And the reason why people yell and scream and fight is because they long for a righteousness that only can be found in Jesus. And you have the wisdom to deliver that to them with meekness. So why would we get upset with people who were longing for the very thing that we already have? James says, don't be deceived. And by God's grace, we're not deceived. Like, we don't have to be carried away and fight causes that aren't within the will of God. There are causes we fight for. But then there are also things, if we're honest, that are not of Jesus. And so we need to be discerning in those things. Allow the Spirit to work in our life. But James hits the nail on the head and says, here's the promise of righteousness. And this is to a church that was, th- that was living in a broken and sinful world that was experiencing persecution and suffering. And he says, here's your promise. Trust in the wisdom of Jesus and you'll be clothed in a righteousness. But sow that in peace. Because it's so easy to begin to want to fight the fight. Because in that immediate fight, it feels so good. I don't know if you guys have ever argued with your spouse. I have like once, I think. And, and I, I love being right. Like, it feels so good, you know? Like, it really, it does in that moment. And then you walk away, and you're like, oh, my gosh, what did I do? And that's what a lot of us do. Like, we want that righteous cause. And for some of us, it sets in right away, and other of us never realize that the righteousness we're trying to earn or work can only be found in Jesus. So, church, there are two wisdoms if I've jumped my job today, you say there are two wisdoms, and it's easy to be deceived, but there's only one wisdom from Jesus, and the characteristics are those that bear good fruits. And so as I was praying about what's the practical application for this, if I can be honest, it's pretty simple. As I was studying this, I was alarmed to find that the average American, depending on which study, spends four hours to 11 hours a day receiving information. Four hours to 11 hours a day. That's insane. Could you imagine that kind of input? Imagine if you sat at a buffet for 11 hours. Right? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Day after day after day, it's going to have an impact on you, right? And so I just said, you know what, I want to call us as a church to just practice one day where we have a media fast. Just one day where we say, I'm not going to consume wisdom of this world. One day where we're going to allow the Spirit to work in our heart and our mind to convict us and point us to Him and reveal to us how we have been swept away by voices and narratives not of Jesus Christ. And this came to me pretty I don't want to say late last night, but I was thinking this probably about 3 or 4 or 5 o'clock yesterday. I said, I want, to, I want to do this. So I haven't actually written out a schedule yet. I'm going to sit down this afternoon because I want to help you guys. And so if you say yes, I'm going to take a day this week, and I'm going to fast from media. What I want to do is help you in that. So I'm, I'm going to try to write out a devotional or two, a schedule. What I would say very practically, for some of you, like if you're going to media fast, some of you might get 11 hours back in your day. Right. you're probably going to want to have some activities planned. I wouldn't just sit around for 11 hours. That's, 
<laughs> You're going to be really bored. And so I might do something where you spend time with people. Really practically practice hospitality. Go to lunch with someone. Go to city group. But you're going to have, probably have to be intentional about helping yourself to have this fast. Does this make sense? Yeah. I, just, I just I love you guys so much. I'm seeing there's so many competing voices for our hearts and our mind. And we kind of have to wage war or battle to allow ourselves to be centered upon the gospel of Jesus Christ. And even allow ourselves to allow voices like you guys to speak in because we're reasonable people to say, man, you're getting carried away. And so this week, the practical application is, let's, let's have a media fast. You guys can shoot me a text and say, yes, I'm in. You can send me an email. You can tell me by person. I will send that out to each of you. For those of you who are like, man, I ain't doing it. I ain't touching that with a 10-foot pole. I'm just going to let Jesus work on your heart and convict you and tell you how wrong you are. Okay? <laughs> totally kidding, guys. I love you so much. <laughs> but I do love you guys. And, and I, I know how some of us, if you're like me, we just get carried away with voices. And I, I don't want that. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I love this church. It's such a blessing and encouragement to me. But I know that you love them more. You know each person in here. You know their story. You know uh, where they've been. And you know that they don't have to fight a righteous cause to earn righteousness. That they don't need to be concerned or feel shame because, Lord, you've paid the price. You've paid the debt. You've clothed us in a righteousness and a glory that's not our own. You have purchased us, and we are now your children, your sons and daughters, whom you're well pleased with because of your son, Jesus Christ. And so I pray for each person here that they could know today that you love them, just really practically, like the sweetness of honey on our lips. They could say, I know that God loves me that they could be drawn to you and they could think of, a, think of a day focused on you as not a burden, but as a joy, as a pull, as a hunger, as an excitement, as, as something that they long for. And so, Lord, I pray that as people say yes, to spend a day in, in focused prayer, in consuming your wisdom, that you would meet them in those places and spaces, that Satan wouldn't fill those voids with more lies or more hunger, but instead you would proclaim yourself in a very real and tangible way as to change hearts and minds and set people free. Lord, we pray and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.